You're listening to Small But Mighty, the podcast of the Small Nonprofits Alliance, the online hub for Australia's small charities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the last episode of Small But Mighty for 2020. You're here with founder and CEO of the Small Nonprofits Alliance, Bianca Crocker, and me, Kirsty Wallet, a founding partner and head of marketing at the Alliance. Hello, Bianca. We made hey, it. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, everyone. We made it. <laughs> we did. We did. The end of 2020 is so close. It's so close and it's a bit exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. And a relief. Like, I feel a big sense of relief in a lot of ways and I'm sure a lot of other people do too. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to some rest time. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone that I've sort of spoken to in um, the last few days, just, you know, with some Merry Christmas phone calls or or whatever, everyone is really, is exhausted, to be honest. Um, Most people are feeling that from the year and um, looking forward to a bit of downtime, um, but also, just getting into 2021, I think, as well. Yes. So this episode, we decided that we're going to have a little bit of a look back, a reminisce on 2020 and some of the topics and issues that we covered in the podcast. We're going to talk about one big lesson that each of us has taken from the experiences of 2020. Really, there's been so many. I mean, here in Australia, we started off the year with the bushfire crisis and things really just snowballed as <laughs> As far as as far as um, you know, challenges and disasters went. Really, they did. They definitely did. And I think um, I know when you and I were chatting about about doing this episode. I think it it is even though it has been challenging, it is really tr- it is really good to try and look at you know some of the takeaways or or some at least some lessons that you can that we can all learn from from the period because I think that's a good way to you know not dwell too much on on the hardships and the challenges look take out those little good pieces if we can for sure because I think on social media and talking to people everybody is so keen to see the back of 2020 and I completely understand and agree but I also think out of some of these challenges and isn't that just life in general that out of challenges also come you know growth and and a silver lining if 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 nothing positive so yeah yeah I think there's a I think there's a quote I don't know who who said it so if if someone's listening um um to this and they do know um you know let us know but you know something around uh from great chaos comes opportunity or so I think hopefully some of uh the, the discussion in this episode will will reflect a little bit on that for our audience as well for sure. I definitely think that could be the theme of 2020. And so that's going to be the first part of um, this episode. And then the second half, we're going to reflect a little bit on our top three podcast episodes for the year. And surprise, surprise, two out of the three cover COVID-19 pandemic topics. And the other one is the bushfires. So we're going to talk a little bit more about those episodes. Maybe some of you have heard them before. Um, Maybe you'll go back and listen to them after this episode, hopefully. But I'd like to start with, and I know you did too, we discussed this before we started um, thinking about the episode, was just wanting to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast this year. We've really tried to produce more episodes, particularly with the COVID-19 pandemic really changing the way everyone worked, to be able to provide more support, resources, advice, share 
more stories and create that community. And we did reach number three. We give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back, I feel. <laughs> we did yes, reach yes. number three in the nonprofit uh, podcast charts in Australia. So that was a huge positive out of what was a really full-on challenging tumultuous year for the sector and the country. Yeah, it is. It has been and it is it was a real delight to see that um that top three rating. So that is very exciting for us and and the podcasts which is growing and you know the biggest um indicator for us that you know what we're doing here at the Small Nonprofit Alliance is is really helping people is to see that people are listening to the episodes and the audience is growing, which it is, and we're really thankful for that and hope that we can continue to support um, our members and the audience of this podcast uh, in in twenty twenty one as well. So let's get into it then, Bianca. We'll start with yours. What was your one big lesson for small nonprofits in twenty twenty? Yeah, it's um interesting. I think um if 2020 has shown us anything, it's probably that we live in a very unpredictable world. And I think while many of us probably felt and, and knew that that before this year came along, I think it's really been made quite obvious to us now that um and we and we can't ignore it. Um so I think from that having for nonprofits to have the ability to be agile and flexible is is probably my biggest takeaway from the year. And I know, um, you know, we already know that that's, that is a strength of small organisations and a lot of different people that we talk to on our um, podcast or just in general, when you do ask them about, you know, some of the benefits and, and the um, advantages of being in a small nonprofit, having that ability to be agile um, and flexible is right up there. So being able to rework plans and shift gears or change direction have obviously become increasingly important um, attributes for all organisations. And I think the great thing about many small nonprofits is that just by the nature of the smaller size, they've got the ability to do that because there's less hierarchy, there's less processes, and it affords them a good opportunity to naturally be more agile and um and responsive. I think generally the sector's been reasonably good at responding to a changing um, philanthropic landscape. And I think small charities in particular this year have shown that they've been able to do that as well. Um, you know, having more digital fundraising options and um, even using technology like tap and go and all those sorts of things um, for donations has been has been really great to see. I think it's interesting too, there have been, and, and especially initially earlier in the year within some of the sector news there was a lot of stories about charities talking about their huge drops in their particularly event fundraising but I feel like there's been some success stories that have come out of this year as well I mean we have heard of some organizations that have taken their fundraising uh, online or digital and raised as much or more as they would have with their regular event just by doing what you're talking about, mm. switching it up, being a little bit nimble, being a bit flexible and being able to respond rapidly. Yeah, and I I, I, I think it was last month I spoke with Liz Dawes from the uh, Robert Connor Dawes Foundation and they have a big event called Connor's Run that runs each year in September here in, in uh, the Bayside suburbs of Melbourne. Yeah, they ran their event. They made it a virtual event this year 
kind of by default because that's what they had to do because Melbourne was still in in a bit of lockdown. And um, it was it was their biggest event that they've ever done. So if you want to hear more about that, you can tune into that um, particular podcast. But yeah, that's definitely correct, Kirsty. We have seen some really fabulous results in all different um, ways through this through this experience. That's for sure. And how do you think for anyone listening out there who thinks perhaps they weren't as agile or responsive as they could be or feels that they found that really difficult what advice would you have for them going into the next year because obviously COVID isn't going away and we can Mm. see that in Australia right now you know they're looking at an outbreak in Sydney and we're very lucky here to have very low cases but it I think it shows that the COVID situation isn't necessarily going anywhere just yet. Um, and like you said, the world is a changing place. We could be in a different environment six months from now as well. So what advice would you have for someone who's thinking that they really need to work on their flexibility or agility into next year? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great way to look at it because even though we are, um, you know, all excited about 2021, I do think you know, we're not going to click over the clock at midnight into January the 1st and all the problems are going to disappear. That's mm. that's for sure. Um, so we be, need to be mindful and realistic about, about that. But I think, you know, to be able to leverage your organisation's ability to be agile and to do that successfully, there's a le- level of resilience, I guess, and efficiency that you need to have within your organisation. And I think some of the attributes or the traits that you can work on individually at someone that works in in a small organisation and also build these uh, traits within your organisation as well, probably include resilience, so building some resilience around how you respond and um, and having, you know, a bit of strength in, um, in your decisions and in your support networks and those sorts of things. The other thing I would say is to potentially have a think about uh, your decision-making skills and your ability to think on your feet, but as well as thinking on your feet, thinking in that big picture strategic way as well, because I think having both lenses uh, or being able to look through both lenses and, and quite quickly is is another thing to to look at. And then the other, the third tip I'd probably suggest would be for people to just really try to think outside of the box and, you know, not be so narrow-minded in their thinking with, you know, doing things just because that's the way it's always been done. So trying to look for new ways of doing things, you know, I, I use the word innovation but or to be innovative, but I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean to think of something that's never been done before, but just at your organisation, how are you doing things and how can you tweak things or can you do something a little bit different that's going to give you potentially a better a better result. So they're probably the key things that I think. That's a really good idea. And I think if we use the Connors run as an example, like if you had said to someone a couple of years ago, uh, yeah, why don't you run your event, your running event online and raise more money, they would laugh at you, wouldn't they? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're right. It's about thinking about things in a new way and being open-minded about um, the creative ways that you can do things. And I think the other thing with that is I think charities are often, you know, we're constrained a little bit by boards and by, you know, and this is quite a general comment I'm, I'm aware, but because of budgets and, and decisions, so we can sometimes be a little bit too conservative and a little bit too risk averse mm. um, and not take any risks. And I think 
the tricky part for this year, because we a lot of people had no choice but to do, you either weren't going to do your event or you weren't going to do that that thing or you were going to try and do it virtually, people tried things and, you know, a lot of people had some success and a lot of people and, and a few people had some really great successes. So I think that's a real good lesson in, you know, trying to take some measured risks as well. I think that's really mm. important to do. I think that leads really well into my big lesson for 2020. If 2020 has shown anything for nonprofits, it's that the importance of being digitally engaged is just so critical as a as a fail safe for your organization as best practice but also in that ability to be able to pivot and respond to situations quickly i think the one thing that um, using digital tools does is allow you to be able to do that and the reason why i think that ties in really well with what you were saying about being risk averse is i know there are would be still a lot of organizations out there who find the digital side of things tricky whether it communicating in a really open manner on social media, you know, being afraid of delving into issues, being afraid of negative feedback in the online space, mm. social media. Not knowing, not having anything to say. I know in the early mm-hmm. early days of COVID and one of the um, – you know, the session or one of our masterclasses that you presented, um, I remember you talking about just say something. You need to talk about something. Even if you feel like there's nothing to say, it's really important to stay connected to people yeah. and, and looking at how, what stories you can tell, um, whether it's about your staff or what people are doing or the volunteers, some of that behind the scenes stuff, just to be able to keep in contact. And I think you're right, digitally, being digitally engaged is really is really critical and this year's definitely shown that. And it's shown us that really just having a Facebook page or just having a website or just sending the odd email isn't enough to be able to provide that safety net for you. You know, the digital side of things really does speak to an organisation's resilience as well. I know it's not realistic for a lot of small organisations to have their finger in every digital pie, so it's not realistic resource or budget-wise to have a fabulous website and have someone updating your social media all the time and be sending out weekly emails. Like, that is the, I suppose, goal, and that would be the perfect and ideal situation that you are, you know, utilising multiple digital platforms in a regular manner to engage your community. There are a lot of organisations, small ones, who are doing that really well. There are some who are on their way to doing that and still taking that leap of becoming digitally engaged. And I think that's the one uh, one positive thing I think that's come out of it for smaller organisations is that if you weren't already digitally engaged with your community, you had to be during covid Mm. A lot of our members talked about starting email newsletters and they'd never had time or the inclination to do that before and it just became absolutely vital to do it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think what's interesting is people were sort of forced into doing some of these things. I think that's really important. And the other thing is I think our our supporters and, and people are in, you know, people generally are much more forgiving today I think than than we all were 12 months ago with mm-hmm. with the frustrations that come with technology as well because we've all we've all we're all doing it more you know if you do do something and it's not quite right or the technology doesn't work or you do a Facebook live and it all it's a bit jittery or whatever I think everyone's a lot more forgiving and understanding and I think that's okay you can kind of just laugh about it and and um and move on. 
I do still find myself surprised at the fear around technology. Mm. Um, and I know it's easy for me to say that because I like to help people with that, um, with my business and with the Alliance. But we are so lucky in this day and age to have so many free platforms that really simplify what used to be a lot of really complex digital things. Like, you know, I talk about it all the time, but MailChimp is a perfect example of that. You know, you can send free emails depending on the size of your email list. There are so many tips and tricks throughout the whole program. They have um, easy-to-follow templates. There's almost no excuse to not be sending emails when you've got such an, a simple platform to use, and it does take a little bit of time to learn it, but it's certainly not difficult. If you can check your emails, you can use MailChimp for sure. What is fabulous about technology and the fact that things are um, developing at a huge rate online still is that, you know, Facebook Lives are getting easier. Doing an Instagram story is getting easier. Phone technology is getting better. You know, if you get a standard iPhone, you can take a great high-definition video. And I think that is also the beauty, and it's not something new, but that's the beauty about social media as well. I think, you know, nobody is expecting, and you're right, particularly during COVID, some Hollywood production on your video for your Facebook page. They just want to see what you're doing. They appreciate the live updates. Um, people are using the Facebook Live feature more and more now. And so I think it's becoming more common to see people jump on in their, let's be honest, tracksuit in the middle of the COVID <laughs> lockdown um, and say hi to people and talk about what they were doing. And I think the beauty about that is that that's, it's not um, news to anyone in social media that genuine works and you can't get much more genuine than that. Um, that that's what I was going to say, that um, that sense of being genuine is really, really real and really important. I don't think anyone has to put on a, a front about, you know, we're doing it all perfect and, and that's who we are. And I think, again, that's probably one of the, the bonuses of being a smaller organisation you know, the expectation is perhaps a little lower than it from, from others than it may be if you are a bigger organisation where oh, people sure. have expectations around, oh, well, you should have the resources to do things better than this, so to speak. Yeah. But so, you know, with that in, in mind, of course, we still want to meet people's expectations and deliver some really great things. But I think just be genuine. And if something goes wrong or you make a mistake or you you know your video is not on the right way or something just own it and um and just be genuine with it and go with it and apologize and have a laugh and keep going yeah definitely and I think for anyone who's listening who's thinking that they could be more digitally engaged and they've really struggled during the COVID period to do that um, if Zoom has been <laughs> the extent of how you've connected with people digitally like that's okay you know, most small organisations can't afford to bring someone in to help them with that or to pay for expert advice. Uh, but there are so many, and there has been, um, it's slowed up a little bit, but there has been so many free webinars where you can educate yourself. You know, jump on Google and learn about um, best practice for sending email newsletters. Learn about some Facebook Lives. Some of it you have to pay for these resources, but a lot is free. And, of course, like um, we're going to do like a not-so-subtle plug, <laughs> but the, but that's um, the Small Nonprofits Alliance tries to provide as much as possible um, free or really reasonably p priced resources for 
small organizations to be able to empower themselves and be able to learn those skills. And we know that people in small organizations are wearing a lot of hats. And I think it's okay to come to the end of 2020 and think, well, we don't have anything digital sorted out. I think have a think about what would work best for your organization. Email email and a Facebook page I think is just a no-brainer. I think every small organization should have those things. So um, and do a little bit of education for yourself. Um, see what free webinars you can attend. Um, spend, you know, the $20, $30, $40 on a paid webinar to get some good advice from an expert. I think that's something really easy that we can do that's really exploded during COVID as well. Um, you mm. know, the volume of online resources that you can search yourself um, to really learn some of those tips and tricks around um, how to utilize email and social media to support your work the work of your nonprofit I think is just um, it's easier than it's ever been so yeah I agree it definitely is easier and and yeah we I mean that is the purpose of the small nonprofits alliance is to be able to provide support and um, you know there's all that connections and community that we want to do but there's also the support and resources uh, through whether it's our masterclass webinars or it's any downloadable resources and and the other thing is if if you're if you're a member and you're you know there's not something there we're, we're growing all of our resources all the time and and we welcome feedback I say that you know to people a lot so you know just email us and 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 say, hey, I really need some help and it'd be great to have, you know, this sort of thing or this sort of thing and and we can let you know if we do have it and if we if we don't, we can at least try to work with someone or, um, you know, one of our service partners if it's in one of those areas or we can put something together and, and try and support you where you really need it. And also, second uh, not-so-subtle plug in the last couple of minutes, but if you're not a member and you're listening to this, then our base membership is free. And that does provide you with quite a lot of access to free webinars and resources as well. And we'll put in the show notes a link to have a look at our membership. But we do have other people who listen to the podcast that aren't in Australia as well, um, in the US in particular, and some in New Zealand. So um, even though we do try to target our resources for Australian organisations, there's nothing to say that someone in another country can't um, gain some insights um, by what we have there too. So yeah, because um, I mean, at the end of the day, the social media staff, the digital emails, the fundraising, best practice in all these areas is is universal. So, um, you know, while we do talk about it often in an Australian context or use some Australian examples, it can be relevant for others as well. So definitely join us. <laughs> join us. Join us. <laughs> So let's get into our top three podcast episodes yeah. for 2020. So the first most listened to episode was back in January and that was our episode on the bushfire crisis. Yeah, the title of the episode was a tragedy and generosity and that's you know the contrast that we talked I remember talking about and the contrast between the devastation that it was but also this brilliant sense of community and generosity that came from it and that was global as well I mean we had so much support from donors outside of Australia as well but in particular what it did for 
things like Facebook fundraising in Australia was really kickstart that among the general population, I think. Uh, you know, we talked in the episode, and it's the one everybody brings up, but the fact that comedian Celeste Barber raised more than just over $50 million via Facebook, and, and to this day it is the biggest Facebook fundraiser in the platform's history. Mm. So for her to be able to do that in Australia, obviously she has followers from all over the world, um, was so significant and I think opened a lot of doors. And we said this at the time, we thought that this would happen. And I really feel it has. There's been a real momentum with Facebook fundraising. Facebook in the US sat up and paid attention to Australia and a lot of changes and improvements were rolled out on the platform. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit rocky for a while there, about halfway through the year. It was a bit tricky. We were waiting for a lot of features. But um, the PayPal Giving Fund is now integrated with all of that. And so it is actually easier than ever for an Australian charity to receive money via Facebook or PayPal than it ever has been. And I think if anything's come out of that bushfire crisis and then that subsequent generosity and also COVID as well is mm. that the platforms have responded to the needs of nonprofits. I think there's definitely a fair amount of self-interest in that for all of those platforms. Um, but look, that's fantastic for the nonprofit sector as well in mm. Australia. We, we typically get things they might test features with us on the social media platforms but we typically get rolled out these sort of things last so I think it was really good to see um, that new door open up I think this year more than it ever has um, for non-profits and I, I get the point of it is that it's the small non-profits that really feel that the most the ability for them to even raise an extra couple of hundred dollars couple of thousand dollars via a social media platform, that makes such a difference to them. For the larger organisations, I'm sure it's not their major channel, as you would attest to, Bianca. They're going to be maybe raising most of their money through direct mail. Um, But for a small organisation to be able to fundraise digitally through Facebook um, when they haven't been able to before is a real game changer, I think. Yeah, and I think the thing on that is the good thing to remember is that You've got the supporters on Facebook and a lot of small organisations have invested in their Facebook Mm -hmm. following because that's been affordable and an easy way to do it. So if you've got people on that platform that support your organisation and that they they now are more aware of Facebook as a fundraising opportunity for their birthday or, you know, whatever it might be, that they can choose a charity and just plug it on their Facebook. It's actually so easy for them to do that. You want to be able to have have that facility. I think I think when I thought about this episode though, I must say, um, Goodness, it seems to me like we had that conversation really eons ago, like not even not five even years years ago. ago. I feel like I've aged five years. I know. And when I was reflecting <laughs> on it, I sort of realised how so much has actually happened this year, which I know I, I, I know I know, but I think it just became more evident. Um, you know, well, obviously here in Australia we were thrust, I guess, into 2020 with all the devastation and the heartbreak of mm. the worst bushfires our country's probably ever seen. Um but I think, as we mentioned um, in that episode, from a philanthropic perspective, we, we saw so much generosity mm. from all sorts of people and um, and it really did, from a fundraising perspective um, on Facebook and, and in, in other platforms, really put Australia on the, on the world stage, I guess, in that thing. But you know, little did we know that that was just the beginning of of, of the loss of the losses that we would see and experience um, 
So the second episode, the um, top two episode of 2020, was your interview with Lively founder Anna Donaldson. Yeah, I did this interview um, with Anna in May and it was so interesting. It was such an interesting time to be able to um, connect with her and speak with with her. We'd actually been planning her and I to speak earlier in the year um, and a few things came up. And, and to be honest, though, I think it was actually worked really well because the type of organization that they are lively for those of you that don't know lively is a small nonprofit um, based in Melbourne and they're about providing employment opportunities to young people through connecting them to older Australians. So it really serves two purposes to reduce social isolation and, um, and, you know, loss of connection of older people um, while also helping younger people, get employment. So for them, they were in a really unique position as an organisation because obviously, especially across Melbourne um, with the lockdowns, aged care was, um, you know, highly affected and obviously aged or older Australians are at greater risk or or older people are generally at greater risk um, with the COVID-19 and those sort of health issues. So they were right in the thick of it in terms of their work. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there was a lot of organisations that work in the welfare space were talking around people losing jobs and a lot of young people work in hospitality and those sorts of or casual employment and those were the sorts of people that lost jobs or got stood down at times. So they were really, um, yeah, really in an interesting position. But it was a great time to be able to, to speak with, with Anna and you know, learn about how they were coping and what sort of practices they were putting in place and how they were addressing some of the the biggest issues that their organisation probably had seen, as I'm sure, you know, this year's thrown many organisations into that position where it's been the biggest challenges that they've seen. Um, So it was really good. And I think one thing that she really focused on um, also was sharing her thoughts around how she or how their organisation really built strong relationships with their philanthropic funders and how, you know, through trust and found relationships with trust and foundations that they had, how they were able to really um, strengthen those relationships during that time, but also talk to them and have conversations about, look, this is where we're at. We, we can't deliver this service in this format, but we're going to do this. And really they were able to see the real benefit in the strength of those relationships and and the support that they got from them. So she gave some really great tips on how to build and maintain those relation, those types of relationships with funders, which was great. Yeah, it's a fascinating listen. And um, the concept of Lively as an organisation is um, really innovative and remarkable, actually. Um, and it, it, this is a fantastic listen for anybody that's had anything to do with aged care yeah. um, or anyone that's worked in the sector. You and I personally have had experiences with aged care and I found it just such a fascinating listen to hear her perspective and their approach to um, looking after older Australians, which I think really the industry is going through a lot of change and a lot of scrutiny at the moment. And it was just fascinating to hear that a small organisation making such a difference in that way. I definitely agree. It's an interesting listen. So I would highly recommend everyone go back and listen to that episode with Anna Donaldson.
And our third episode or the top three episode from 2020 was the interview that you did with um, Margaret Scott, and that was all about advice for small nonprofits during COVID-19. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So again, I mean, really, it's not rocket science as to why this was such a popular episode. People were desperate for advice, information, and just, I think, outlets on, well, how are we even going to begin to tackle our normal fundraising, our normal events, our normal services during this pandemic? I think something that's interesting to me was I actually listened, you know, when we looked at what the top three podcasts for the year had been, I actually re-listened to the that whole episode because I kind of thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how relevant it is because, you know, we I, I chatted with Marg Scott who – um, for those of you who don't know, um, she's a well-known and established fundraising expert um, in Australia and, and a good friend of mine and colleague. Um, and I chatted with her and so that the episode aired in April. Um, so it was very early in mm. the pandemic. It had only sort of just started rocking Australian shores, so to speak. But when I did listen to it again, I realised while the conversation was all about COVID-19 and, and that was at the beginning, there were a lot of points in there that I actually thought, wow, these are really still quite relevant now and that's eight months later. But also I think they're actually always going to be relevant and were probably always relevant beforehand, which is Mm. really interesting. So there's two of them that I probably just want to touch on, I guess, or reiterate today. And the first one was around keeping in touch with your donors. And there was a comment that Marg said that it's, you know, it's actually not about your organisation, it's about your beneficiaries and that that you're there for them and and the impact that you make. So donors don't think about your organisation as much as they think about the work that you do and the people that you help. So being able to keep in touch with people and share those stories is is really critical. Mm. Um, And so that's, that's something that's important all the time, you know, keeping in touch with the people that make your work possible is vital in a pandemic or after a pandemic or before a pandemic or any time. So so that's something that I think is worth highlighting. And then the other thing, which again, we did talk about because it was such a stressful time and everyone didn't know what was going on, but it was around, you know, looking after yourself as, as a fundraiser or as someone working in a small nonprofit, because we all know how busy it is and how, you know, stressful and lots of overwhelming things happening and the to-do list never sort of ends. Um, Marg said something like, if you, you know, if you don't look after yourself, you're not really going to be any good to anyone, you know, your, your beneficiaries or your organisation or your donors. So, and that of course was very relevant in April, but as, like I said, at the start of this episode, as we get to the end of the year, everyone's exhausted. So it's, it's really relevant now and it's going to be relevant probably all the time working in a small organisation. So that was, I did find that quite interesting. Really, if there's anything that we can share with members, I think is the importance, as you've mentioned a lot, I know in our um, masterclasses and podcast episodes before, that um, people in the nonprofit industry in particular can be very prone to burnout. They're all about giving, 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 and then all of a sudden they're running on empty. And I think this is a really great time of year for everybody to take stock of that and hopefully be able to have a little bit of a break. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I know, 
I, I also know conversely when, you know, after Christmas appeals and things like that, sort of, you know, January is often for most organisations um, in the charity sector a bit of a quiet time, um, especially early January. And again, not all organisations, depending on the, the sort of programs and services you're offering. Um, but I think, you know, I also know a lot of people kind of use that time where the programs and services are a little bit quieter to to do some work, you know, whether it's the strategy or planning or, you know, whatever, catching up on things. So, you know, if you do use some of the holiday period to, to do that, that's okay. But try and, yeah, definitely balance it out with um, – with looking after yourself in, in whatever that sort of looks like for you. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a good point there. Maybe it's um, less about not doing anything and more about finding that balance so that you don't get to that point of burnout. But obviously, we all know most people working for a small organisation don't have the luxury of being able to take a huge break at any yeah. point. <laughs> And I think what you just mentioned as well, it's because I think the type of people that, that you know, we, that we've got here in our membership base or that are just working in small charities generally or, or probably, you know, in the charity sector more generally, people are naturally giving and naturally considerate and that's yeah. what draws, you know, that, that type of person to this sector. Um, so it is probably innate that we want to do stuff or we want to give back or we want to help but we do need to make sure we're on that list of things things we want to look after (laughs) definitely definitely and on that note we really want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listened to our episodes of the podcast in 2020 thank you so much for your support thank you to all of our members at the alliance Um, we really appreciate you and Um, We thank you for what you've given us this year. Um, We do get a lot of great feedback and interaction from our members, so we're also very grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've said that perfectly, Kirsty. There's not much for me more to say to to our members, but thank you so much. It has been a a challenging year, but the the feedback, um, you know, response to webinars and podcast listens and emails and things is is always really great and having people in our members lounge our private facebook group that interaction with each other and with us is growing and just probably the other thing i'd like to say is just thanks to you kirsty as well for all your support of the organization and the work that we do and it's been a big year it's been a very big year we've tried to increase our offering to our members um and we've all had stuff going on this year at different times and it's been great to be able to work with you through it all and um and looking forward to doing more and helping more of our small charities um into the new year why thank you and we should also give thanks to you we're going to pat each other on the back now it's all getting a bit mushy isn't it maybe it's time to wrap it up (laughs) but thank you to you bianca with all the work that you do um as the founder and the driving force behind the alliance we want to do a bit of a tease for 2021 we do have hopefully some exciting new things coming up in the podcast some new episode formats and we'll have some exciting new concepts i think in the alliance which is going to be uh, exciting i don't think i can say exciting anymore <laughs> it's excited to see the back of this year uh we've got an exciting <laughs> partnership that's that's recently yeah, sort of come on, um that's sort of 
uh, been finalised. So we'll be talking about that in uh, the new year as well, which is lots of ex- exciting things, fabulous things happening yeah. for 2021. So Everyone will just have to wait for that one, won't yeah, they? <laughs> that was a good cliffhanger. Well done. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much, everyone, for listening this year. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season with your loved ones and we hope to have you back here in 2021. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.